to 21 Acres in Woodenville, Washington. My name is Becca Jordan. We have a 21-acre agroecological farm and Lean Platinum Certified Education Center where we have conversations about climate change. Come learn, eat, and grow with us. I'll say this all the time, but we kind of live and die by the cover crop. Today I'm talking to Anthony Reyes, the farm operations lead at 21 Acres. Anthony is an active member of the Washington farm community. He comes with over a decade of experience in crop production across the West Coast. Most recently, he worked in Santa Cruz, California, where he managed the Homeless Garden Project farm. I recently took a break to walk out to the farm. This time of year in the Sammamish Valley Agricultural Production District, or APD, is beautiful and full of change. Flowers first appearing, then disappearing to give way to fruit, crops going into the ground, and of course, record-breaking heat waves that make us remember winter fondly. I caught up with Anthony out with the pigs, the recent project of a local farmer who's been pasture raising them here on the farm over the past two years. If you know Anthony, you know that Anthony cares about farming. While we tried to make friends with the pigs, Anthony and I talked about how important cover cropping is as a regenerative farm practice. Cover cropping is listed by Project Drawdown as an important way to generate soil health, leading to more and better food while mitigating climate change. Anthony, what is cover crop? Uh, so there, there's a long answer and a short answer. Um, the short answer is cover crop is just something that, that um, covers like bare soil and the, and the time being sort of in between two cash crops. Cover crop can be sort of like whatever you need it to be. So a lot of, a lot of our production system uh, will be looking at taking soil samples, looking at what is going on with our um, pests or with our diseases, with our weed pressure. And then we'll sort of develop cover crop regimens based off of what we're seeing in the fields. So what cover crops are you using right now? The mix we use is a rye vetch um, in most of the areas during the winter. And so the rye, they have a pretty extensive root system, super fibrous. And so the second you cut that, um, cut that grass and terminate the cover crop, all of those fibrous roots break down. And then what you're left with is this really fine till. So why cover crops? How do cover crops help with farming practice? Erosion control. Um, during the winter times, it keeps a lot of the nutrients in place, and uh, means that means that it's a lot of those nitrogen and excess phosphorus and potassium aren't going to be um, going into the water streams nearby. They'll just be more held in the biomass of the cover crop. Um, and another, another one of the winter cover crops that benefits that we'll do, in addition to holding on to and scavenging for existing nutrients, is also increasing biomass and increasing the, uh, the just establishing better soil structure. And then we also there's also the nutrient, uh, the the nitrogen um, fixing ability of some of the cover crops, more of the leguminous, leguminous, uh, or herbaceous. Um, and that's going to be, for us, it's, it's the vetch, and then during the summertime we'll have an Austrian field pea that'll be going into the fields um, along with barley. Uh, but the vetch and the, the field pea, they have these uh, nodules called rhizobia, 
and it's a symbiotic relationship between the roots and bacteria that take atmospheric nitrogen and hold it in these nodules. And then as that's breaking down, um, it's releasing the nitrogen into the soil. So it's, it's uh, one, of our, one of our hopes and dreams is to be able to, having all of our nitrogen inputs and all of our fertilizer inputs coming from the cover crop. Um, but that'll take a few years to actually establish I guess with the, with the rye vetch specifically, we also use that for weed management um, and breaking pest, pest and disease cycles. Uh, so the weed, weed management, the rye, one, the rye, uh, because it's, it, it builds such a large biomass, it outcompetes a lot of the, the weeds that will be coming in, which also breaks the cycling, cycle of, of the weed seeds. Uh, but it, it also, the rye is also allelopathic. Um, so it has this chemical reaction with a lot of the plants and roots in the in the soil that inhibit uh, germination and growth um, of a lot of those a lot of the weeds that we have. And one of our main means on on 21 acres of, of um, establishing more long-term carbon storage is is the all of that biomass that you're seeing. And some of our stands are up to seven seven feet tall. Um, and so all of that green matter is, all, all of that photosynthesis is then taking some of that carbon dioxide and um, transferring it to carbon in the plant structure, mm. uh, which then when that gets turned into the soil or terminated, um, about 2% of the carbon material in those, in each living plant turns into that long-term carbon or the humus. Um, so that, that's actually our main way of, of uh, increasing our soil organic carbon and, and um, trying to take more of that carbon from the, so, from, the, from the air around us or that atmospheric carbon. And then additionally, like we, the different cover crops that we have, like uh, what, what I'll be doing is looking at what our, yeah, again, like looking at what our, what our farm needs and then trying to find a cover crop mix that'll more specifically address those needs. So what's kind of one example, um, you, you talked about the rye vetch mix, um, what's one example last year when you were looking at our soil needs and you said you were able to identify that um, cover crop as a good way to, to manage our soil needs. So what were you looking at when you made that decision? Uh, just for establish, uh, establishing the farm, because I, I think that's also an important thing, is like a lot of the farm is getting either established or re-established um, after going fallow and having just noxious weeds take over. Um, so a lot of what we were trying to do is build, uh, have as much biomass in, in the mix as possible. And so then um, if we're looking at like a barley field pea mix, um, then we're looking to go heavier on the barley, so we're having more of the that um, the weed competition and uh, um, or on the rye rye vetch. Like last winter, we went 90% rye, 10% vetch to try to break some of these weed cycles. Um, that biomass helps with the weed suppression. Yeah, yeah. But in the future, like this next year, in some of the areas, we're going to maintain that that ratio. And then in other areas where we've gotten the, the cover crop more established and gotten our, our fields more established, 
we're going to be switching to about 10% rye because um, that's all the that's when you're talking about like a large stand um, that's really all, all you need of like a cereal grain and in, in a cover crop mix to provide that that um, the structure for the, um, the for the vetch or the peas to climb up. In terms of just carbon sequestration, carbon capture, is there a best cover crop for that? Uh, does more biomass mean more carbon capture? Yeah, I'm um, I'm not sure if if there's like a one that's better than the other for for um, carbon carbon capturing. I guess it would be the one that's building the most biomass in it. Um, which at, at this point, the the rye is rye is definitely going to be building the most biomass. Um, uh, the rye or the barley. The the barley is is uh, we use barley in the springtime in the summer because uh, rye rye doesn't put up with the higher heat. Um, and barley's really pretty, pretty well suited for that. Um, more biomass is, is, yeah. The more, the more biomass, the more um, soil organic carbon you're you're looking at once that cover crop is terminated. You kind of talked about this earlier, but one of the questions that I encounter a lot and that I still feel like I don't have a good grasp of is when you terminate those cover crops. Um, how does the carbon get integrated into the soil? Doesn't it just be, isn't it just released as if you were to terminate any other plant? Uh, it's yes and no. Um, so most of um, a lot of that carbon is is going to be released. Uh, not not a lot of it. Some of that carbon will be released in, in into the um, into like a gaseous form. But when it's when it's in that. Once you get it into the biomass, it, it'll break down and you'll have soil organic carbon, but um, some of it will be more mobile than others. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we're talking about that, that carbon sequestration or the long-term term carbon storage, we're looking at, we're talking about like more like humus development. And that one will be like the 2%, 2 of the carbon material in, in the plants will um, turn into humus, which is like really not that, not that much. Um, but then you also look at the larger, the larger image of, of the amount of, um, cover crop that we're, we're terminating and either turning in or letting, letting sit on this, on the surface. Um, and then that number increases or that, that the actual effect of that carbon storage increases significantly. Um, and with all of, all of that, uh, a little bit goes a very long way. How do you, well, how long does something like that take? How does, how long does that humus development take to get to a point where um, it's beneficial for your farming practice? Uh, it should be within that year. Yeah, the, the, because um, that's just waiting for the, for the natural decomposition process to happen. If you're, and there's two different ways of, of, doing it um one if you're just like terminating on on the surface and leaving it leaving it on the soil surface um the depth at which that carbon is going to be um, broken down is just at that very surface layer um but then if you're if you're then going to turn that cover crop into the soil the depth that that carbon is being stored is deeper into the soil profile so it's it's not and there's um there's been like lots of analyses to figure out like which one between 
um, like a no-till and a conservation till system is actually storing more of the carbon and it's it's uh, it's less so about which one is storing more and at and more so about the depths at which it's being stored um, but the main thing is that like uh, cover crop is 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 sort of that is central to both of those equations or both of those conversations uh, does the depth of that um, humus or uh, where you are in the steps of cover cropping over multiple years, does that affect what crops you're planting year by year? Um, not, not particularly. Uh, just, just because a lot of what we're doing is moving throughout the farm. Um, so we're, we're on a seven or eight year rotation out here. And so the idea is that after that eight years go through, um, then all of the crops are in all the different areas of the farm. Um, and like that, that even like our, our um, crop rotation is something that was like very intentional with, with uh, yearly and seasonal cover crop mixed in throughout. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't necessarily affect what plants we're gonna be planting um, but more so uh, like we'll, we'll put different cover crops in prior to whatever block we're doing so if we have strawberries going into the ground we'll do a mustard uh, a summer mustard cover crop and use that as like a biofumigant to handle a lot of the weed weed and pest and disease management prior to strawberries um, and then we'll always have like we're right now we're right over by a, a whole bunch of these little piglets um, and they're incorporated into our fallow block, and that's something that's really integral to our to our system as well. We'll have one year where we'll have rye, vetch, barley, and pea, um, and then uh, yeah, and then we'll be going from uh, going from that back into the heavier rotation of of uh, vegetable crops. We decided to leave the pigs and head over to the seven-foot-tall cover crop stand where the rye was growing. Um, so when, when you're talking about like anthesis, like this, when you see all that pollen shed, uh -huh. that's when you know it's like perfect timing. Um, and also you have allergy, which is like just horrible. When you see the pollen, it's time to terminate. Yeah, when you see the pollen, when you see like that many anthers, or like this is anthesis when it has the peak of anthers and pollen shed. Um, it's also going to be the milking stage, so if you take one of these and you should be able to like push out some, well that's a bad example. Um, like these should be, the seeds, they'll be developed enough to milk, but they won't be developed enough to um, germinate. So it's sort of like that perfect stage is right now. And like, if you just cut that energy flow, like that'll die. Um, but it's also like, when I was talking about like the weed, weed suppression, like this is all rye and vetch and that's like all that there is. Um, so you get like that full, uh, yeah, it's just beautiful. I'm just getting mouthfuls of pollen right now. Is this, it like, kind of tastes like rye, jeez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, this is like uh, super successful. 
and yeah, it, it's, it is kind of amazing to see like there's nothing else really growing in here. I mean, I, I think this is like one of the coolest things that we're doing out here, but. Like we also the longest path through the, um, that took a really long time to go 100 feet. You had mentioned that not every, <laughs> I'm covered, look at my phone. Oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. I'm covered in it. Um, you'd mentioned that not every farmer uses cover crops, um, despite all the benefits of cover crops. So what are some of those barriers to farmers using cover crops on their property? Um, I would think the two, the, the three biggest are uh, timing, um, monetary, uh, restrictions and equipment because like cover crop to, to let that to let it finish like the rye there um, you're really looking to be taking taking a part of your land that you could be profiting off of throughout the year and taking it out of production um, and putting into something that's going to be benefiting your soil which like is is profitable in the long term but it's it's difficult for a farmer to when they're working off such a small profit margin to then say like, okay, well we can take this out of production and put it into um, something that we're not going to be getting any any. Uh, I guess it would be like immediate cash return off of. It's also just like the, having the infrastructure and equipment to put in cover crop in a timely manner. In Western Washington, you're really looking at if you want all of the nutrient benefits of vetch, uh, you're looking at getting it in by like September 15th. Um, and then for erosion control, it's October 15th and then it, the days get short enough where you just can't really be, um, benefiting from it as much. And so it's thinking of like everything that's going on in September, um, for us, like cover cropping is, is sort of our biggest thing, but that becomes, that becomes difficult, especially if you don't have access to like a seed drill or a broadcaster or machinery that can really get that seed into the ground or even like onto bare soil. And then it's also, it's also just like, it can be kind of difficult to get a good stand. Um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of effort. And yeah, so sometimes it's just like not, not seen worth the, uh, worth that time or worth, worth letting it even like finish completely. I don't know how many I don't know how many folks especially in like the valley here that I actually see like having have allowing a cover crop to go reach that peak anthesis or maturation and turning it in that's a lot of effort for something that you're not going to be able to sell <laughs> but it's it, it pays for itself in different ways and um, your inputs are going to be less uh, long term you're you're creating more resilient soils soil um so it'll be less work on you on, on the long term. Uh, you're also managing weeds, managing diseases, managing pests without actually having to go in and do anything. Um, and so there's there's different there's different areas where that that equation sort of breaks even. Uh, and yeah, one one of the things I personally like um, if if I'm doing like some consulting with someone or consulting with the farmer and. Um, the way that one of the ways that I, I really identify success in a farming system is if they're able to, if they're able to have like a, a pretty well-established cover crop 
um, system involved in their involved in their plan because that tells you that they're they're profitable enough to take part of their land out of production and out of sales for um, months at a time uh, especially like in the middle of the growing season where you can throw like a buckwheat which will be like a 30 day or a barley pea which is 60 to 90 days to maturation um, and if you're able to take that land out of out of production and sales for that amount of time then it, it sort of has other implications over how you're how you're running your operation from a sales standpoint um, and from a and from a um, soil management standpoint <laughs> any any final words about cover crop um, yeah I, I guess the the final thing at least like with us at 21 acres is I'll, I'll say this all the time but we kind of live and die by the cover crop um, if the cover crop isn't doing well then our farming season is going to be that much more difficult um, as you saw with like the land over there where cover crop stand wasn't as good cultivating in, into that stand that we were just in um, it's going to be a lot easier that that soil is going to be really well conditioned yeah so we, we very much so live and die by the cover crop thank you so much yeah you got a lot of pollen on that on that phone there yeah we're gonna have to clean off this <laughs> clean off this phone Thank you for joining us as we talked about cover crops today. If you're curious to learn more, you can visit our website, 21acres.org. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you again soon.